real um, sense of uh, in my heart to, um, a weakness, a fear, and a much trembling, and wondering, I'm wondering why, because. I've done it for 14 years, but every time I come back here, yesterday I felt it too, and I didn't say it. But every time I come back here, I got lots of like Wayne, and just uh, an overwhelming sense of uh, unworthiness. Yeah, I really do inside. But thank God for Jesus. He called me. I need you to pray. I think. My my fear is that I, I want to glorify the Lord before I end my life. This is this is not a stage. This is an altar. And my sermon is an audience of one. Lord, I come to you. I bring everybody with me into the very most holy place. And I'm so glad Jesus is there, Father. Give me freedom, Lord. Help me, Spirit of God. Help us all to glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. I, I, I went on a, a sabbatical from March, April, May, and it had a lot to do with Sunders helping me. And so they let me, my elders board let me go on one for three months, and I came back. And uh, when I was going on, I was going to take some books with me to read. And as I was going to do it, uh, I had it all fixed. This is what I'm going to do this month, this month, this month. Then an elder comes to me in the church, and he says, Here, I have a book I want you to read. And I says, in my heart, I'm saying, Forget that, man. I, I took the book. I'm not reading your book. I'm going to read my little list. And I just heard the Lord as I was going to start my sabbatical. No, you have to read this book. And it was Andrew Murray on humility. And I started reading it. It really opened my eyes. And this is the whole thesis of it when I try and get the whole idea of the book so I can better understand the book. And this is what I got. Humility is not beating ourselves up when we see our sin. But humility is acknowledging that we are nothing without Christ. And that can go when you begin the Christian journey, when you're where I am at 50 or where you are with 70. You still have to remember you're nothing without Jesus Christ. And that's what gives you really, he can work through you. Without, God, without Jesus, we are nothing. We have nothing. We can do nothing. But Christ in you is everything for us. This is Simpson's message. And Wayne comes to me and says, nobody knows A.B. Simpson. Uh, you know, some people don't know him. And uh, I think this is why I'm with the Christian Missionary Alliance. I was going to be a Pentecostal preacher when I started with back in Harvey. Nobody knows Harvey either. Well, some do. He's my best friend. And uh, so 
we're back there, and I was going to be a Pentecostal preacher, so I go into their, their thing, and they're going to let me go through it all and everything, and I have Bible college. And then all of a sudden, they say, I have a big discrepancy with this certain issue. I don't want to bring it up. It's not worth it, and I just can't do it. I can't be them. So I go to the Christian Mission Alliance where I got saved, and I read Simpson stuff, and it's exactly what I agree. It's exactly what I agree. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And that's what I wanted. I wanted a balance. And I wanted a deeper life. And he believes in that. A.B. Simpson. He always ended his messages. Christ in you. The hope of glory. That's the nutshell of the Christian. That's it. Without that, you are nothing. Do you have a Kleenex? Thank you. See, I'm not even caring anymore. Like, if I have to get a Kleenex, you say, oh, I better not do this or that, you know. I'm, this is not a show. That's what I'm trying to say. It's an altar. And if you feel God speaking through you, speaking through me, a feeble man like myself, with the feeble words I am, you need to come forward and bend your knee and not care what anybody thinks because this is an altar. And God will hear you. So, that's this is what I want to look at. I don't have an uh, the over uh, you know, but I'll just read it. Okay, it's John chapter five verse nineteen. One verse, if you have a Bible. John chapter five verse nineteen. Jesus gave them this answer. I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can, do, he can do only what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. Very powerful. Uh, one verse, loaded. All of us in this room, including myself, you and I are nothing without Christ. Nothing. We are nothing. But Jesus made himself nothing. There is a big difference here. We are nothing. He made himself nothing. We do not make ourselves nothing. That's all we are. We are nothing. But Jesus is God. He's Almighty God. And he had to choose to make himself nothing because God is everything. And the verse that really gets to 2 Corinthians 8 9. I like the way the apostle. I can't wait to meet that man. Apostle Paul. He fought like a man. Oh, that guy fought like... He fought. He was like an animal, man. He fought and fought. They kicked him. They beat him. They hit him with stones. He, nobody could knock that man down. And that's why we got the scriptures. I want to be like that. But he only could do it with what? Christ in him. The hope of glory. That's Every man can only do it this way. And Jesus did this. This is one verse that really gets to me about Christ. For you know, 2 Corinthians 8, 9, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to stop. Do you really know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ? He says that. Do you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ? That though He was rich, yet for your sakes He became poor, so that you through His poverty might become rich. He made Himself nothing. So that you and I could be something.
I don't know. But for me, on my sabbatical for three months, I renewed my relationship with the Lord. I lost it. I don't know how. Fourteen years doing this stuff, I think I started getting into the sermons and, and the show. I don't know. I don't know. And I just a few times weep before God. And he just kept on telling me, I'm still your friend, Moss. And, and I remember, I, 25 years ago, I walked up there and, man, I was a mess, man. Street kid, hooked on drugs, came out of prison. Now, look at this. But I'm still nothing without Jesus. But he's my friend. He renewed my friendship with him. And when I started looking at Jesus again through the scriptures, it started to move me that I I am nothing without you, Lord. And there's this verse that backs up that he had to make himself nothing. It's in Philippians 2 verses 5 to 8 and it says your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped but made himself nothing taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance of a man he humbled himself and became obedient to death some of these verses are enough to just move us and strike us and put us on our feet Put us on our knees, I should say. Because He's God. I don't think we understand really in our hearts. This is the God man. We, 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 we take it, I take it too lightly. I don't want to t- talk about you guys. But I take it too lightly. In the three months I went back to my relationship again, to the beginning. And man, this is where the power comes. When you have a relationship with God, your children, your wife, your, the people that you serve, they know. When you and I see our life in the light of Jesus Christ, we are definitely nothing without Him. He blows my mind. Literally. He blows me away. How how God could do that? Don't you ever think about that? Church, don't you think about that? Our Savior is mighty to save. What a mighty God. Amen? Uh, uh, Newton, he's dying. And they said, what are the th- one thing that you could really tell me before you die that you've learned? He said, I'm a terrible sinner and I have a wonderful Savior. It's so true, eh? And we don't look at him like that. We must start to look at Jesus so that it enriches our love for Jesus. But our life is very, very short, so don't... Uh, don't waste time with this. I'm 50 years old. I see Frank. I remember Frank with Harvey and everything. And Wayne's here. And, you know, there's a few people, man. I got some heavy memories here. I grew up as a Christian here. It's a wonderful place. If you're starting to come here in Rexdale, it's a wonderful place. But so short our life. Am I correct? James 4.14 You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. You're gone. You are nothing without Jesus Christ. And you know, it came home to me, really came home to me. I came to the city 30 years ago. I was 20 years old. And I knew nobody and I was a real mess. But I met one man, his name was Anisio. 
and he was my friend, best friend. And we hung around. We did a lot of crazy things together. And then I came to the Lord in, through this church. And then I brought him to the Lord 15 years ago. But then he went crazy into his old life. I wouldn't turn around. I wouldn't go back. He went back in. I know I'm determined. But I had some wonderful people with me. I don't think he did. I tried to stay with him. He didn't want to come to church. See how important that is? I couldn't miss church. And it wasn't the building. It was the people. I couldn't miss the people. I just loved the people. In October 4th of 2008, he went to the hospital. And he just gets enormously sick, really sick. And the doctor gets him on a thing. His lungs could collapse. Puts him on a thing, put tubes in him and everything. Starts to examine him. I'm standing there. I went and visited him. He gets the news just in front of me. You have cancer of the lungs. He's 49 years old. And he says, oh. He looks at me and he goes, and I don't know what to say. And all of he says, he says, i got to come back to Christ. See, God is over cancer. God is over everything. God uses that kind of stuff to bring us back to himself. And he did it. He used it. So he's in the hospital and he's going along. I've never seen a man get transformed like that before in my life. You think it's bad when a person gets cancer? It is bad. Don't get me wrong. But I'll tell you, there's something more important than your body. It's your soul. And that's what God is going for right now. For everybody in this room and me too. And you know, he, he, we, we're walking along, me and Anise, we're ro- walking along. I'm, he's growing like crazy. He's just growing. I've, he gets, he's getting transformed. There's something that does to you with pain. Drives you to God. Just drives you to God. So he's going, he's going. And he comes to my church. There's two things that I'll never forget with this guy. He comes to my church. He starts to come to church now. October, November, and he's coming. He stands up. We have this thing where you guys can't do it, but we have this thing. Does anybody have anything to share? Anything good in your life? And then people will stand up in our congregation. We've got about 70 or 80 people, and they'll stand up. Anisio stands up, and he says, You know, i got no fear. No fear. If I die, i got no fear. It just riveted me because he wasn't joking. Like he was really serious. And I said, only the Holy Spirit, only Christ in him could do that. And it really stunned me when he said that. Because he said that if it happens for him like that, that means it's going to happen for me and everyone who has Christ in them. That he will hold us up on that time. And everybody in my whole congregation, I don't know what it did, it infused, it infused something in the whole congregation of faith. It just went, when he, when he gave that testimony, it just went, people knew. And my whole congregation went to another level. Because they started to believe that that's the way it is. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so, I, 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 the, the, the second thing that really hit me with this guy, I'm at the hospital, I have to take him to the hospital late at night, it's about 2 o'clock in the morning I take him to the hospital, it's the last time I see him we go to the hospital, I'm sitting there with him, we're talking he's just about ready to go uh, he's really, really sick this is what he says to me he says, Moss, he says and it's December 16th it's two months later December 15th, because he died December 16th, December 15th he's with me, and he says this, Moss and you know, there's, there's something very powerful about a man dying. He can't lie. Hear me what I'm saying. 
There's no phoniness. There's a bare heart there. Naked soul. And he says, Miles, you've been my friend for 30 years. You brought me to Jesus. But he says, remember what I'm going to tell you, Miles. He says, the only thing that matters is being in the will of God. And he says, I'm there right now because of cancer. And he says, I am nothing. This is, I put it in my Bible. I am nothing. He is my life. What a statement. Eh? This is what you and I need to get into our spirit. I am nothing. He is my life. And since you and I, we're nothing, then whatever we have in this world is also nothing without Jesus Christ. Nothing. You just have to look at Michael, what is his name? Michael Jackson? Oh, man. You know, you might laugh, but man, oh, man, don't you feel sorry for the poor guy? This guy had fame. This guy had talent. This guy had money. And if he didn't have Christ in him, he lost it all. Not just his body and his temporal stuff. He lost his, say it with me, his soul. This is so dangerous. How it can attract you that money can become your security rather than the Lord Jesus Christ. It can even become in our lives It's so insidious in our hearts. How many people believe that? Listen to this. In Proverbs chapter 11, just listen to this. Verse 4. Wealth is worthless in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. Let me repeat it. Wealth is worthless in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. You and I cannot love God and money at the same time. And I'm saying that now to the whole church right now. Me too. You and I cannot love money at the same time. And you know how you know you love money? Whatever you're thinking about the most. If you're thinking about money most, you're loving it. If you think about Christ most, you're loving Him. Your mind, where the attitude is. You can't. That's why Jesus... Why did He bring so much in His words on the... On the what is it? On the Beatitudes? Why so much? Where your heart is, where your treasure is, there is your... This is very heavy. And you know why I think the Christ said that? Is because He was dealing with... On the outside, you could look really good coming to church. So could I. I could look like a real neat... Woo, look at this guy. And inside, my heart is not Jesus, the treasure. We need to make a firm stand. That's why the altar has to be here. And you need to say, God, I want you, Jesus Christ, to be my treasure. I want you to be my treasure. Christ in you, the hope of glory. You need to make a a firm commitment to that. Because if it does, it will protect you from the snares of money. The snares of your possessions. Because it's really in vain when it's time to die. Am I right? Wealth is worthless. You need it, but it doesn't mean anything to God. What can a man give in exchange for his soul? <laughs> million dollars? Here, God, here's a million bucks. Can I be free? Yeah, right. It's very important we understand this. 
You know, I want to tell you something here. Just listen. In Luke twelve fifteen, hear these words of Christ. Watch out. Be on your guard. And I don't want to misquote it because it's Jesus' words. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. We could think that we have it made because we have a lot of possessions or we have a lot of money. And I'm telling you, that could be a false security. The poorest people of the world are the most richest in Christ. I want to give you an illustration of how insidious this can be. Okay? How deadly this could be. Christian, for a Christian. How money could take over. Or fear that we don't have enough. How many people can understand what I'm saying? Fear that we don't have enough can move us into a love of money. Okay, I'm there. I confess. I'm going to share some with you. I'm not confessing a sin. I'm confessing temptation that I almost sinned. So I didn't. And I'm going to be doing this to my own congregation because I believe in transparency. Because when you have transparency from the pulpit, it moves into the congregation. And then you have a reality in your relationship with each other. So, there's this little old lady in my church, prayer warrior, name is Vanesta. But she's on a fixed income. She wants to go to the retreat. She comes up to me and she says, Pastor, I don't have the money. Can I go on the retreat? But I'll pay you later. I said, Vanesta, just come. So she comes on the retreat. I don't even think anything of it. On Friday, we have our prayer meeting. She comes up to me and she says, Pastor, and she hands me $70. Now, all the money is taken care of. The church has paid the whole retreat and everything, and the people who have collected the money, it doesn't even go to me. But by, just by chance, I got the 70 bucks. Now, I'm not proud of this, but I'm going to tell you how our hearts are and that we need to guard our hearts by the power of the Spirit in us. We need to say to God, I want to love you more than anything else, Lord, and that will protect us. But listen to this. I took the money. I took the money. I put it in my pocket on Friday. And I said to myself, I have a graduation for my son tonight. So I was short. Guess how much? So I said to myself, nobody's going to know. And really, I did all the work at the retreat. Ah, I'll keep the money. Uh, you know? And Because of this fear of not having enough within me. It's in there now. And I could see it. Okay. I'm in the washroom on Saturday. Yesterday. And I'm God speaks to me in the washroom. I don't know why. But I'm in the washroom, eh? And uh, all of a sudden, he says, uh, uh, Miles? Uh, yes, Lord? He says, you know the 70 bucks? Yes, Lord? You don't give that to the church. I will pull my spirit from you, and you will be able to speak. Oh, I just got so scared. I said, Lord, I'm sorry. He said, be careful. Give the money right away. The lady came. My wife had a women's ministry on that Saturday night. She came. I saw her. <laughs> Here's the money. <laughs> right away. And I just said, that's it. And God said to me, tell the church, be very careful about this secret sin. I don't care what you look on the outside. I'm looking at your heart. As dead flies give perfume a bad smell, so a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. 
It's the little stuff that sends us in. You think some of these people that are caught into sin just did it? It was little, little stuff moving in, moving in, moving in, and moving in. And then the devil with a big one. Wham! And God, in His mercy, stopped me on Saturday. Praise the Lord! Now, do you feel, make me, do I look bad now as a pastor? Well, I'm going to be doing it to my church. I'm going to share this with my church transparency so that they can have the opportunity to open up with their secret sins. And if they open up, let me tell you, we're going to have a revival. And I have to take the stand, Christ said. When I deal with you, I'm going to deal with you like a prophet. The prophet gets dealt with first, then he gives the message. Deal with your secret sins. Everybody. And you will have power. Christ in you will flow through you. No problem. This is the altar. I'm convinced the Holy Spirit speaking to people. I'm convinced. But I don't know who. And I'm glad I don't know who. That's between you and your God. I deal with myself my way. I fear Him. I don't want to go in front of Him like an idiot. He knows my heart. He knows your heart. Am I correct? You can't hide. And He is so gracious. When I finish my message, you will be running maybe to the altar. Because I know how the Lord is after 25 years. He's not a scolding God. He's not a harsh God. He's like Sunders as He is. And we used to battle together, me and him. But hes I agree, He's a gracious God. A compassionate God. Slow to anger, abounding in love. You, so so you, you are nothing. That little verse, eh? You are nothing. It would, you are nothing. We have nothing. We can do nothing. And I think the most profound statement that Christ said a lot of things, but what freaks me out in this statement is Jesus says, I can do nothing by myself. Is, don't you think that's a profound statement? He's the God-man. He's the God-man. And He can do nothing by Himself. Makes, doesn't it set you back? Now, if it's, when, he, when the Master says this, okay, this is a little convicting for me. Because he told me first. If, if I said this to my people, to the disciples, then how much more can you do nothing without me? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. It is going to be so heavy, whether you're an elder or a pastor or whatever you are, whatever you do for Jesus. It's going to be heavy when we stand in front of Jesus. I'll never forget what Harvey said. He said this to me. He said, I wonder how much I'm going to have uh, bundles of ashes with all my works, how much I did in the flesh rather than in the spirit. He told me that. I said, whoa, and now at 50, I understand. I wonder how much of mine is. That's why I get so tremble right now when I'm sitting there and I'm just praying, God, you do it through me. Because if you don't speak through me, it's all vanity. It's nothing. And even for you. And that's why Jesus said, if you, apart from me, you can do nothing. 
He meant it. He really meant it. And may God bring a revelation to each one of our hearts to say, Lord, I give up. I give up. I had an elder. I'm serious. I have some men that are with me. Four guys, man. Praise the Lord. These guys, man, I know. They're so godly. They're so godly. They're not yes men. I'm aggressive. When I'm aggressive, there's two of them will say, back off and slow down. Yeah. And the other two will just sit there and pray. And they're really, but this one elder, I'll never forget what he said. We're confessing our sins. And this elder just breaks down, wait, just breaks down, and he starts to weep. He says, I cannot do nothing anymore. I surrender. And from that point on, this elder went from a, a point of defeat to deliverance and then into victory because God came in. And I think all of us have to come to a place like that. I can't do nothing. I can't do nothing. I can't pray. I can't worship. I can't even do anything that is acceptable before your eyes except through the Spirit of Christ. Christ in you. The hope of glory. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. It's like dancing with God. Yeah, it's like He's romancing you. That's what the Lord wants with His bride. He wants to romance you. He doesn't want to scold you. When you hear a preacher scold you, back, turn your ears off. It's not Christ. But when, when it's grace and He's trying to woo you to Himself, that's the Lord. You're His bride. He's trying to dance with you. Let's do a dance. And it's keeping in step with the Spirit. You want to hear a good quote? Unknown quote. Nobody can take the credit. Listen to this. I thought it was amazing. When I meditated on the word guidance, I kept seeing dance. Guidance? I kept seeing dance at the end of the word. I remember reading that doing God's will is a lot like dancing. When two people try to lead, nothing feels right. The movement doesn't flow with music, and everything is quite uncomfortable and jerky. When one person realizes that, and lets the other lead, both bodies begin to flow with the music. One gives gentle cues, perhaps a nudge to the back, or by pressing lightly in one direction or another. It's as if two become one body, moving beautifully. The dance takes surrender, willingness, and attentiveness from one person, and gentle guidance and skill from the other. My eyes drew back to the word guidance when I saw a G. I thought of God, followed by you and I. God, you, and I dance. As I lowered my head, I became willing to trust that I would get guidance about my life. Once again, I became willing to let God lead. May you abide in God as God abides in you. Dance together with God, trusting God to lead and to guide you through each season of your life, no matter how painful. This is my, this is my dream now. He is my Savior. He is my Lord. He is my friend. He's the Christ. And I want to dance with Him. He's my friend. And when I'm walking, He's leading and I'm following. When He's moving and I move, man, it's so beautiful to watch Him. There's nothing more beautiful than a Spirit-filled life and watching it. Because it's all Christ. 
But before you and I can dance, we need to have this come to the end of ourselves. We need to come, I don't know if it's here or if it's in your seat or wherever it is, in the bathroom like me, I don't know. But we need to come and say, Lord, I can't do nothing. I surrender. Nothing. I don't want to beat myself up anymore, Lord. You saved me. Now take over. Let us, let us dance together. Before it happens, watch me knee. He said something that was very powerful. That is to say, it is when we have reached the point where, all, where in all honesty we cry, I cannot speak, that we discover God is speaking. When we come to an end of our works, His work begins. Thus the fire in the days to come and the cross today affect the same thing. What cannot stand the cross today will not survive the fire later. If my work, which is done in my power, is brought to death, how much comes out of the grave? Nothing. Nothing ever survives the cross but what is holy of God in Christ. God never asks us to do anything we can do. He asks us to live a life which we can never live. And to do a work which can never, we can never do. Yet by His grace we are living it and doing it. The life we live is the life of Christ lived in the power of God. And the work we do is the work of Christ carried on through us by His Spirit whom we obey. Self is the only obstruction to that life and to that work. May we each one pray from our hearts, O oh Lord, deal with me. O oh Lord, deal with me. And all you have to do is say, Lord, I can't do nothing anymore. I surrender. And God will say, finally, I got you. Now we'll do a little dance. I will lead. You follow. And I'll glorify myself through your life. How many in this room, how many in this room feel so far away from this dance that you're not dancing with God? You're doing your own little dance. And like you said, what is that again now? Where do I? Where do you think you stand with God? I want to reverse it. I want to tell you where God stands with you. If you're born again and the Spirit of God lives in you, if you're not born again and the Spirit of Christ does not live in you, then you need to immediately come to me or to Wayne and just talk to us about your soul and how to get saved. But if you have the Spirit of Christ and you know it and you're not doing the dance, I want to tell you how God stands with you right now. He's not here to beat you up because I have two children. I think they can do anything and I still love them to death. And if I'm an evil man, how much more a holy God who is your Father in Heaven. This is how He stands with you. And if you hear God speaking in the Scripture, then I would really ask you, come forward and do business with Him. Do business with Him. Please. Because He loves you. My dove, my church, in the clefts of the rock, in the hiding places of the mountainside, show me your face. Let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. This is Jesus. Come to him if you feel like you're not in the dance. He wants to dance with you. You come. You come. Don't be ashamed. Christ is your refuge. God bless you. And as a benediction... So we've heard from God's Word today. 
I trust you'll go forth and be blessed, realizing that you are everything because Christ lives in you. And so forth, go forth, allowing him to flow in and through your life to others. God bless you.